When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, I get it. I used to be the one planning my day around finding a bathroom and living in fear of an accident. I tried the pills and pads, but they just weren't working for me. If you're living like I was, it's time to find an expert physician and ask them about Axonics therapy. It's not another drug. It's an advanced therapy that is proven to provide lasting relief for overactive bladder. Still not sure? You can even try it first to make sure it works for you. You're not alone and you don't have to put up with this anymore. You just have to take the first step towards finding real relief. Visit findrealrelief.com to find a bladder specialist. That's findrealrelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonics is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. Risks can result from Axonics therapy that may require surgical intervention. Available by prescription only. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. You're listening to a Castaway Media Podcast. Find more great shows at castaway.media or find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash castawaypodcasts. Hello and welcome to episode 29 of Potterooney. Uh, thanks for tuning in, whatever you're doing. If you're on the treadmill, or cycling your bike or in the bath, driving your car, thank you for choosing Potterooney to listen to. And I've got a great reaction from people uh, from last week's podcast. I interviewed the actor Michael Collins and he is a fantastic actor and a member of the travelling community and he spoke with such passion about how the travellers have been treated over the years but but particularly what moved me was what happened after the Carrick Mines tragedy in which 10 travellers were, were killed in a fire and he went down, he went to the funerals of the victims and uh, we went down to Wexford for the funeral and the town of Wexford was closed down. All the pubs and the shops and even the car park, even a car park was closed because there was a traveller funeral, a funeral. Uh, and I just couldn't believe it. this is like something you'd hear about down in the southern states for the, that would happen to the black community, um, you know, back in the 60s or something like that in America. And it's just, it's just, I was amazed and I think it's disgusting that things like this should happen and I think a lot of people probably would have been shocked by what he said. Uh, so I got a great reaction to that podcast and a lot of retweets and a lot of um, people sending me messages and and uh, particularly the Cobblestone Bar. They put together this little um, montage of four photos of Michael at various uh, stages in his acting career and put that together with a podcast and tweeted it out to lots of people. So I'd like to like to thank the Cobblestone Bar for that. I know they listen to um, all the podcasts or pretty much all of them. And uh, and it's a great bar. I'm, I'm not just saying there's not advertising. It's actually a great bar. If you want to hear genuine trad music, it's in Smithfield. It's a great place to go for traditional music, traditional Irish music. And so, yeah, speaking of music, this week I'm talking to Ronan McManus. He's a grew up in London Irish. He grew up in London in Twickenham 
is an Irish background. His father played with the Joe Loss Orchestra and his brother is Declan McManus, or as most people would know him, uh, Elvis Costello. So he talks about his mu- his musical background and growing up in a very musical family and uh, what it was like to have an older brother who had who was um well he's about 20 over 20 years difference um so as a child his brother was like in on top of the pops and things like that so he talks about all that and just growing up in such a, a an irish background and like his his dad's are is is it wasn't born in ireland his dad was born in england his mother's english but he was brought up in a very uh, like he was singing wolf tone songs at the age of seven and things like that. So very interesting conversation. And uh, I talked to him when I was down in Galway at the comedy carnival, but he was playing with his band, the Brand New Zeros, and we took an hour or so in the hotel room and had this conversation. So, yeah, uh, well, keep the reactions coming. Keep the, uh, whether it's on Twitter or on uh, Facebook, or if you want to email me on my website, www.joerooneycomedian.com Just keep them coming because I'm not getting advertising for this. I'm not um, receiving anything except uh, your reaction. So that would, that's great just to hear things back. You know, you, you're not going to be interrupted by some ad with those conversations that only happen on ads where two people meet in the street and they go, Hello, Mary. I love your cardigan. Oh, thanks very much. I got it in McAvoy's Boutique. Where did you say you got it? McAvoy's Boutique. They do all sorts of lovely cardigans. McAvoy's Boutique. Where's that? It's on Main Street, opposite the train station, two doors down from the post office. So opposite the train station, two doors down from the post office. Yes, McAvoy's Boutique. Well, okay, see you now, Mary. McAvoy's Boutique for all your cardigan needs. So there'll be none of that crack going on here, okay? Right, well, let's have a listen to Rona McManus. Listen, thanks a lot for for no problem. agreeing to sit down with me for a bit. So, oh, yeah, yeah. So you, uh, I just wanted to maybe start. With, you grew up in Twickenham, right? Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's four brothers. Well, five, in, including the big brother, which we'll, which we'll get on yeah. at some point. Yeah. But there was four of us from that second round. Four boys in five years. But dad was always away touring. And it was a hectic. Yeah. It's a yeah, you know, nice, a nice part of London. It's a you know very. Yeah. I couldn't afford to live there now. I mean. Right, no, yeah. no, I live up, up in Watford now because it's just the just, you know prices. Lovely, lovely area. Yeah, and and your dad was was, dad was touring all that time. Yeah, as well. he was he was He's, still because he kind of had to go back on the road when we were all born. He kind of right. He spent all his money from the fifties and sixties. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he had a great time doing it. But uh, we yeah. kind of had this sort of un, this unexpected sort of second family mm. when he was in his fifties. You know, he had to go yeah. back on. Back on the road, you drive up to up north and play in like to cabaret gigs, to working men's clubs, you know. Mm-hmm. When there were working men's clubs, when there were working men, you know. Yeah, <laughs> up north and all the, when there was industry. And was but, that um, what the the Joe lost? That was earlier. That was no, no, that no, was no. long before we were. Oh, old, old barn, but it was yeah. like so when deck he... was small. Yeah, yeah right, was, right, right, was, right. He right. was. Um, yeah, he was, he was a singer in the Image Joe Lost band. He was used to do like radio broadcasts on a weekly basis, and yeah, and he, you know, he did the Royal Command performance with the, the same one where the, the Beatles did it. You know, when John Lennon says those in the cheap seats, clap your hands, and everyone else jangling your jewelry. It's a famous like yeah. thing. Yeah. That was on the same show as that. Was you know, he? They, yeah. he met yeah. all the beat groups at the time. He had to, he had to, he had to cover them all, so he met like 
stones and the faces and yeah. you know, all those guys. He, he met yeah. all those guys over the years in, cool. the, in the 60s. But and was, when, you, when you were growing up then, what was he doing? What kind of was, a band was he? He was, doing, he was just going out on his own, just doing cabaret stuff, and, yeah. you know, because it was that he had to put... Had to provide for us, you know. Yeah. Really, at that age, you should have been slowing down, but he had to. He, tried, he was going go away for weeks and then sometimes. And yeah. Mum was kind of left with the four of us, yeah. lunatics. <laughs> Just we were busy kids. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, so Dad was kind of. What was he playing? He was singing and playing trumpet. Right. He okay. didn't, and he was. It was also trumpet player when he was when he was younger and in mm. the bebop days and around Birkenhead. Mm-hmm. And he left and came out came around to London. Mm. Uh, and he got a job singing with the Jalos band, um, and he didn't really play the trumpet in that, at that time. Um, mm. He was he was one of one of three singers. He was quite well known in his day that the Hampstead mm. Palais was quite a big a big thing. You know, mm. even now people still say, oh, people come up to the to us at gigs and say, oh, I remember seeing your dad at the Hampstead Palais. And really, it was a big kind of you know, it was a big deal, really. You know, so people people knew him. I mean, enough to for. Deck to not call himself McManus when he became famous and changed his name so that he wouldn't have, wouldn't have the comparisons. Really, with dad. Yeah, but that, that was part of the reason, was it? Yeah, yeah, part of it. Yeah, wow. yeah. So it was, um, so yeah, he was, he was, he was. I mean, what he taught us, we were, he taught me how to sing, but not just how to sing, but was how to perform and project and really, you know, mm. how to how to give it socks, you know, on the stage, mm. and that's what. That's kind of what he passed on to us. Was that we saw, we used to see him. How do you mean he'd tell you how to give it? Th- like you mean like, uh, you're talking about performing or using your voice, projecting the projecting. voice, and everybody just had just just you know when you, people sing on stage, it's just really loud. You don't people sing. You see these X Factor people, they go, oh, they used to sing at home. They go, no, I did I do think no, you know, you, you, you give it large when you're on the stage. You mm. you really so that was kind of we see him perform, and he was really like it was really great on stage and he always had lots of talk between songs and yeah it's a real live wire I mean he was like he'd be walking down the shops we'd, we'd be gone for an hour and a half he'd just be chatting to people and telling them stories yeah he used to come out to us. He, was, he was still telling stories I'd never heard before like the time I met Mick Jagger but I know you never told me that dad you know yeah. like, I mean, you know really and yeah it was just I mean he died he's coming up um, actually in a few yeah he's coming up four years now yeah um, but he was still loved Story t- telling stories like he was, had so many, yeah. and I, he, he never wrote a memoirs or I never wrote mm. any sort of biography. But he, had, he you know, he, had to, he met everybody over the years. Like yeah, yeah, that's so really. And so, did, was he teaching you also uh, instruments or were you? Uh, no, I kind of no, not really. I mean, I was always a singer when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, my one of my brothers, uh, we all kind of had played instruments and my brother little brother Rory actually picked up, picked, picked up the guitar before I did mm-hmm. I, I had piano lessons but never we didn't have the discipline to stick to it mm. uh, Kieran was very musical he played flute and and, um, and piano to a good level mm. and studied music and you know really properly you know I, I, we rest of us are kind of buskers you know mm. we were much more into the gigging and the, yeah. that kind of side of things rather mm. than studying it mm. uh, even you know Declan didn't didn't read music until until a lot later in his life you know mm. maybe the 80s I think is only late 80s but maybe only started, he started to, working to read with music, and, music yeah. and all that yeah but um so we all kind of played and sang and but I never I only picked up the guitar when I was about 14 mm-hmm. and Rory had already had already you know learned guitar then he showed me a few chords and I didn't want to ever learn enough to so I could back myself singing that's all it, what it was yeah. I didn't ever have any guitar hero people I never listened to guitarists yeah, I was listening to singers. Yeah, and songs and structure of songs mm. and how that. I mean, you know, we obviously Deck would come around with his CDs and just 
sort of listening to his stuff would be a real education in lyric writing and mm. kind of song structures and things like that, you know. Mm -hmm. and it was time when I was kind of getting into music. It was kind of the time when CDs had kind of kicked in and bands were doing more epic songs. Songs were, be, were getting longer and more complicated and mm. albums getting longer. Before when you had vinyl records, you only had a certain amount of time to do. So, mm. uh, of the, you know, literally running time on the records. Yeah, yeah. The album was, 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 was restricted. But when CDs started to kick in, people started to... You know, yeah, what arrange. kind of what kind of albums are you talking about here? Yeah. Uh, this yeah, is yeah. probably the time from mm. his stuff. You're talking Spike and Might Like a Rose. That was right. really kind of. That was I was I was born in '76, so his first album I was one. I didn't have a clue. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. Um, mm. But you know, I kind of hit my teens, uh, sort of around sort of late late '80s and early '90s. Yeah, 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 '90s yeah. really. So he was kind of doing all that stuff then, and then the, the attractions relaunched each other, mid, you know, they cut back together again with yeah. the original with Bruce Thomas and everything. That was mid-90s. Yeah. So I, we went to a lot of gigs there. I mean, the first gig I ever went to was the Pogues supporting him at the Hammersmith Odeon. That's your first gig? The first gig I ever went to. We were all kids. We were in a London Irish rugby tracksuit with our names in the back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And seen Shane McGowan. I mean, and what did you think the first time seeing them? I was like, well, I'm watching an alien. You know, yeah. <laughs> I was a kid just thinking this. You know, it was just the whole that time the Pogues were like, it was that, you know, just buzzing. It was good. Yeah. I mean, to see that and then Deck do his thing and then Lenny Henry ran on stage at the end of the gig and dressed as a gorilla and yeah, grabbed, grabbed up, picked up Deck and ran off with him. And this was like. Random kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> Why did that happen? Yeah, yeah so it was yeah, like yeah, it was yeah, kind yeah. of yeah. So between the Pogues and and you know yeah. I'm just going to adjust this to make yeah. it. I think it's a little bit low. Okay. Two, 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 one, one. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, so that was kind yeah. of a. Uh, mm. I see that's the first so, gig. It's quite an eye opener and like, like there, there was a lot of sort of the Pogues. It was, it was a real performance, you know, like the the real like. The theatre of it, you know, to see all that, to see the way McGowan was, and, mm. and kind of, I didn't understand obviously he was what he was doing <laughs> to himself, to himself. But it just, yeah. you know, it was great performance to watch. And you know, as I got older, I appreciated um, much more his like, you know, his, his genius really, you know, his lyrics mm. and how tender his, some of the lyrics are. And a lot of the a lot of bands that kind of try, that go down the sort of Celtic rock route or the, the sort of folk rock route try to do the Pogues thing kind of do the, their more punky side the loud brash sort of side but mm. I mean there's some beautiful beautiful lyrics um, oh yeah I mean, I mean what a guy I mean so mm. but at that time I was just a kid and I was watching him and it was just mm. captivating you know mm. I thought I could I don't want to do that <laughs> did you think that though from yeah, early yeah I mean you, want, you wanted to perform I always knew that from uh, when I was very small I knew I wanted to do that I mean mm. I've managed to make a living out of music for I've never had to do a real job, you know. I've mm. done, you know, since I was 17 years old, so just over 20 years. Wow. Um, just making a living through music. And that was the kind of thing that Dad said. It was never about... It was like, that's something that he jumped into us, was making a living from music. Not, you know, these days everyone wants fame and fortune and, you know, I'll, you know, a bit of fortune would be nice, you know. Yeah, <laughs> but making a living is the... Well, just getting the yeah. bank balance to somehow match the CV would be really good. Yeah. <laughs> we've done some great things, but, you know, we've not, not been financially rewarded for those things, but they've been great. Experience. I mean, they've had an amazing 20 years of music, really, you know. like yeah. To think back on what the stuff I've got, I've, I've been able to do, the yeah. people I've been, I've been able to meet and think just through 
through m- music, you know. Yeah. And that was kind of thing Dad always drilled into us, making a living from music yeah. um, was the thing. So we'd, he'd always be like, you know, d- do the gigs, take your gigs. And if there was ever a gig clashed with an, a social occasion, no, do, do, gig. do your gigs, do your gigs. Okay. And got us out. We first started the band, me and my, me and my brothers, all, but just we were working at Sainsbury's second shelves yeah. and then we just had played a friend we played we got up and sang a few songs at a party and someone had given us some money for it so I think it was in a pub like you know the, the landlord gave us some money mm. we're like this is good look at the amount mm. of money we had our hand and look at what we were getting from Sainsbury's thinking the supermarket you know like mm. doing working two all day on a Saturday and a, an evening in the week stacking shelves mm. as a teenager thinking I just sang an hour and a half gig there, and I got paid three times the amount. Mm. I'm getting what? Why don't we just do that for for you know for a job? So yeah, we sort of. But like, uh, it's funny, yeah, because when I started off performing, though, I probably wasn't getting paid much. But then, then when I did get paid, I went, "Jeez, I'm getting paid for this as well." <laughs> yeah, you know was, what I mean? I'm joined. It, it was something I wanted we to do. <laughs> we used to do a gig at the London Irish Rugby Club, and it was a yeah. four-hour gig. Straight through, no breaks. Really? For a hundred pound a man, we thought we were rich. You know, we thought it was the best thing ever. You know, but it was kind of, it was really busy at the start, and it got more and more empty as the gig went on. So like it was a backwards gig. You do all your best <laughs> stuff first. Yeah. You play at the end. You're playing to like one really drunk man. <laughs> straight, straight after the matches, so you kind of kicked in straight after the final whistle, and it was branded. It's got yeah, just but um, yeah, we thought we were rich. Yeah. Get a hundred pound a man. Hundred pound a man. Yeah. Madness. Four you know, hours. Four hours without what, a break. What stuff were you playing? Uh, at that time, the sword octaves were really big. Yeah. Uh, Ghost don't shave, pogues, um, right. everything from stuff we'd grown up on. We had a lot of like we had a lot of jazz records. That was his thing. But mm. he also had a lot of um, wolf tones, chieftains. Yeah. Uh, Dubliners, so we were singing anything really. And then we would, Oasis were coming out, and we were doing like, we had a time that the band had a tin whistle, a baron, fiddle. We were doing like Wonderwall, like, or live, live Forever with the guitar solo on a tin whistle. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like. That's amazing. Yeah, I've, uh, we should have been called the Kaiser Chieftains, would be a good name for, for a band of that, doing indie, indie songs with Irish instruments. That's but excellent. That was weird just because we, we grew up in the Irish community um, mm. around, well, around West London, you know, so all our friends. Dad's had pubs. Mm. Um, Your dad wasn't born in Ireland, was he? No, he was no. born in Birkenhead, yeah. yeah. Was, um, sort of, but he was brought up, brought us up very, to feel very Irish, we felt mm. very Irish growing up, you know, mm. it was a natural thing. It wasn't a conflict. Mum was English completely, but I mean, we lived in Twickenham. We were never allowed to go to Twickenham Rugby Ground and support England. It wasn't, wasn't allowed. Yeah. yeah. Sport, sport Ireland, yeah. Mm. It was easy with the football because in the, in the 90s, mm. everyone who paid for Ireland was from England anyway. So yeah, <laughs> it, was yeah. like, it was like our team, you know. So I've gone off from there to start picking, insisting on picking these guys born in Ireland, you know. Yeah. It was like our team. It was like all the, it was all like, there were Scousers and like Cockneys and Brummies and Glaswegians playing for Ireland then. It was like second generation team really felt like we really felt like it was our team. Yeah, you know, it was great. yeah, John yeah, Aldridge yeah. and like you know Ray yeah. Houghton and, and yeah. the Townsend and that you know. So, but that was we. So the, the natural thing for us was was to do Irish music. You know that mm. was our mm. Kieran played some whistle and mm. uh, we just you know copied 
the bits and pieces of Chieftain's records. Yeah. And was that, uh, did that morph into, or I don't know if you had a name on that band, or, or did that morph into That Slauncher, was Slauncher, band? Yeah, that, that was Slauncher, yeah. yeah. And then we yeah. went to go to America and every band was called Slauncher. <laughs> so, so we thought, let's try and find something that's a bit more unique. So we, yeah. we, we chose the Bible Code Sundays, which was... Um, and that comes from what? That was, comes from drinking sessions, not from mm. mass. <laughs> yeah. Drinking sessions drinking on a Sunday. On a Sunday, we used to do two gigs and, and the only way to get through these two gigs because it was you know it was insane places we were playing like mm. just uh, but anyway to get through it with yourself intact was to have a drink and just join in with what everyone else was doing <laughs> um, yeah. and then code was uh, is a book it's about like, conspiracy theories about yeah. uh, future dates were, in, were encoded in the original Hebrew text of the Bible and you could like a word search search CCJFK and uh Assassination, Dallas. Mm. So they said they, they, they lay, laid out all the characters like a word search, and, you, and apparently you can, you can in the original Hebrew now. You yeah, can, and yeah. then you'd like lay out character by character, like mm. a, just on a page, and then mm. you'd find things like a, a line that said that's a JFK, then assassination, Dallas across each other. Would be like so. Mm. The, the idea was that it was this was like predicting uh, the predicting mm. something back back then. Mm. Turns it turns out you can do it with any book, <laughs> but, right, right. but it was really interesting. After fourteen, fifteen months of Guinness <laughs> yeah. at three in the morning, so the Bible. So that someone's, well, someone coined the phrase once. I said, "Come on, lads, get up! It's time for another Bible Code Sunday." Yeah. So we did a, a covers album with Slauncher, and we called the album Bible Code Sundays. Okay. So when we went to change the name, someone said, "Why don't we just use that?" Or yeah. The lads in it's not in the band anymore, but um, yeah. uh, that was that. So we sort of. And was yeah. that originally with your brothers? That, that was originally yeah. Then they all yeah. they all left one by one. Yeah, brothers, yeah. and I was the last McManus standing. Yeah, everyone else sort of. And are they um, still in music? Or are they? Uh, then Rory still he's he's retiring again for the, about the third time. Mm. Um, but just kind of pub gigs and things mm. like that. And uh, Kieran's getting a bit more into it. Kieran has MS now, so it's harder for him to play because his mm. arms don't always and hands don't always work with mm. the MS. Uh, Liam lives in America and he still plays drums but he works mm. in media planning and stuff mm. so mm. he's uh, he still plays in the band they'll still delve in it now but I'm the only one doing it for, doing it for a living still. professionally yeah yeah well apart from Elvis obviously oh yeah of course <laughs> yeah he's, he's done alright for himself he's yeah, done yeah. alright yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, you started when did you like start writing stuff for the band well, like, I was, well I was writing songs when I was like 11 years old. I was always I was rubbish but I was writing and I just decided just to keep keep. No, the only way to do it is just to do it. That was Dad's always, always thing. The, mm. the best thing you can do, rather than rehearse, rehearse is to gig. That's how you get better. Mm. You don't uh, learn. Must, must be some crossover into you know into what you, stand up. So, yeah, so like, you, 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 you learn people, so much from just getting out there and doing it. People do these stupid things called stand up comedy classes. No, right, bullshit. <laughs> yeah. The only way to learn is go on stage. Yeah, well, we did this with the brand new zeros when we're over here mm. in Ireland doing now. Is that we we. There's a kind of a spin-off off the mm. off of the Bible codes, mm. and we recorded the album in, in April, and then myself and Luke went on the tour with Elvis in June or whatever it was, mm. and then we had a, a summer of things planned, gigs to sort of we hadn't really played the songs apart from when we recorded them. Mm-hmm. And Luke is a barber by trade; he, cut, he nearly cut his finger off with a in a barbering accident. Someone yeah. choked the head back, and so he had to take the whole summer off. So when he came to come here. We hadn't really played the songs because he hadn't been able to play. Mm. And we had, we could book one rehearsal and then we meant to rehearse the next week. And they said, why don't we just do a gig? So we just asked our friend who has a pub in London, can we just turn up? Yeah. And put it on Facebook, we're doing this thing and 
see who, who turns up, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. And they've got a good turnout of people, and it's great. With them. Mm. And because you know that gig, we learned more than we could have done in, in a twelve hours of rehearsal. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, just seat your pants, just get out there and do it. And that's always been the you know, you know the attitude is just to mm. just to do it. And mm. we did that with everything from from songwriting to to the to performing. It's just like just keep doing it and. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'll, I'll I'll make sure I perform those songs in some sort of public arena. The one, even when I was young, you know, people have have house parties and always mm. descended into song, like you know, like a, like the cliched sort of Irish party, you know, and everyone ends up drunk and singing, you know. Was that the kind of where you grew up as well? Was it like a party type house? Like it was. A, oh yeah, our house was yeah. known for that. Yeah, it was yeah. definitely known for that. Yeah, we was. God, yeah, we'd there'll be any any occasion. But we still, I mean, we had, we had um, a guy from Dublin was uh, my one of my dad's friends was a godfather to my brother Liam, and he had one of the very first camcorders. Mm. So he we have some of the some of the parties on tape. Yeah, we actually had my nana's funeral on tape. He videoed my nana's funeral. <laughs> really? Yeah. It was like, how Irish is that? You know, like, <laughs> when are you going to watch that back? You know, <laughs> let's sit back and as a family and watch nana's funeral. <laughs> um, but yeah, well, so, the, the acoustic guitars come out and. Yeah, and we, it, we, we, we had a session, piano in the house. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. So Kieran played that well, and we had all sorts of songbooks and jazz books and things. So mm. a lot of our friends were kind of arty. The dad's friends were kind of either musicians or they'd, be, they'd, mm. they'd recite poetry or there'd be those kind of like this kind of cool kind of thing going on, you know, mm. arty. Everyone sort of had a song in them, in them. So That's amazing. I was sort of, yeah, pushed to the front to sing songs at a very young age. Mm. And at London, with London Irish too, we used to, we used to go around clubhouses and I'd be like seven years old and put on a table in the middle of a clubhouse and told to sing and then yeah. the first ones I learned to sing were like Wolftone songs I'm, I'm singing yeah. these rebel songs as a seven year old boy <laughs> in the middle of this club not knowing what I'm sort of singing about you know yeah, yeah. singing like Four Green Fields or something you know in the middle of this clubhouse in England something yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to start a fight here and I'm only seven but, yeah. but, it just, but it was just perform 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 mm. it was so but we weren't pushed in a bad way, it was just kind of a natural way. So, do you want it? Is not something that I wanted to do it. Yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't fighting it. Like, yeah. You know, I'd be. Oh no, I don't want to sing. I don't want to sing. And then you do one, and then that's it. I want to do. I want to do another hour of it. Then you know, you can't yeah. get. Can't shut me up. Then you know. Oh yeah, you say no. I no no oh, no I no. I couldn't no, possibly. No. Then you go, you know, <laughs> as you're walking up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is making it up the stage. I couldn't possibly. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the typical Irish. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. So yeah, well, we used yeah. to be involved with the Richmond Irish Society when we were young. Dad was very involved. And that and used to put on charity nights and stuff, and then I'd be sort of dragged from the game of football that was going on in the back garden of the church or the church, and then dragged in covered in grass stains and mud and everything from the football game to sing Sleeve Them On or something. And yeah, <laughs> that's just you know, I got my first got my first gig, I got paid £10 and an island football shirt was my first fee for got from it. Every gig was singing three songs. Jesus, in, a, in a church hall it was not bad that was very good that's good I was in the late 80s it must have been about I think it was about 10 or 11 but it made the paper Elvis Elvis Costello's younger brother <laughs> sang made his stage debut really yeah but the um <laughs> but the guy I, gave me a Northern Ireland shirt, which was because we're, we're Tyrone, as well as I think that we wouldn't be supporting Northern Ireland, though. But we were, you know, but it was, it was a Northern Ireland shirt and 10, 10 pounds. Oh, controversial. So I was fine, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all fine now, apparently. So yeah. I think so, yeah. yeah. We're all friends now. Yeah. <laughs> so. 
No rebel songs anymore. No, no, I have no. To stop them now. Like, sing rebel songs, you give me a Northern Ireland shirt. It's not, I'm not sure how that works. I know, yeah, <laughs> but that was fine. But no, it was. We did all sorts of tr- tr- trad Irish songs and everything, and mm. you know, I was trying mm. to, and yeah, start to write my own stuff. But I mean, I got to 14 when, when I really hit music for me. But the Pearl Jam hit the, the sort of the, the grunge. Grunge, thing, yeah. I was like 14, and I was just like. I grew my hair long and, mm. and that was I just loved Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam and Nirvana and all that stuff so that was kind of we had this sort of Irish band going and then we'd go in with a separate band and do like sort of metal and grunge gigs you know singing mm. Metallica and stuff like that mm. but that was again it was just get out there and do it we were rubbish we were absolutely rubbish <laughs> but it was fun and yeah. you know we were only I think we were time for 15 or 16 and is that what influenced you when you were writing your started writing songs? Grunge era, was it? Yeah, it was a bar. Or... Deck was a big influence. Was he, yeah? And we, we really? know, the first albums I ever used to bring the albums over when he recorded yeah. them and released them, he'd come over and play them to us. So I, and he still have the lyrics in the in the sleeves, oh. in the CD thing, mm-hmm. so I'd be sitting there, down and I'd just analyse them. and Very complex yeah. lyrics as well. Yeah, I mean, really, I mean, mm. to, as a, you know, a kid trying to, trying to unravel what he's talking about trying like, to get to what he's talking about an imperial bedroom it's, like, yeah, it's, hard, it's hard going for a, <laughs> yeah. for a 12 year old kid to try, <laughs> to try to go through what he's singing about but um, yeah, that was, yeah so that was a big influence for me I mean mm. the, the, the and what was the relationship with, was it, what's the age difference huge isn't it it's, yeah he's 61 I'm 38 uh, so it was yeah. four of us so, yeah I mean he was I think Kieran's eldest of them from the second marriage yeah, was yeah. Like 20 years I think there so, yeah I mean, he was so always more like for, an uncle or something. yeah he was yeah. kind of he was living away most we were when we were young. He was kind of living when we were very young. He was living in Hammersmith, and then, um, and then he kind of moved away. He was living in Dublin then, and mm. we didn't see him as much. And then, then he did, couldn't come to the country as much because of the tax thing. Or he wasn't allowed in the country oh. then, so it was always touring anyway. But whenever he came, it was like we were so such a young. We were so much younger than him. We couldn't really have a brother relationship. Mm. And even in recent years, we kind of actually you know got quite close and. Mm. being more like brothers but it did seem like a, like a distant uncle kind of thing when we were young mm. it's mm. kind of weird but he'd kind of come around the house and then next minute he'd be on the telly and mm. you kind of had this weird thing where he was kind of this famous guy and everyone loved and but you know his, his dad's my dad is, it's kind of really really odd yeah. thing you know but it was cool because he sort of it kind of it kind of made made us realise you, you it was a it wasn't Fame and fortune, and and doing and being a musician, it wasn't something that was out of reach because my brother's doing it. He's mm. successful, and seemed like it was something that you could do as a job. Mm. It made it seem achievable for us. Yeah, maybe a little too much. Maybe you know, I think maybe look back on it. I think maybe it was. A, I didn't realize how much hard work it, it was. It took to get there. Yeah, yeah. Because he seemed to just he was always famous. Happened, yeah, so it seemed to happen easily for him. Yeah, yeah. I think, but it was. He was always very encouraging. I mean, we started doing music. He'd always listen to our songs and stuff like that, and give us feedback and encouragement and things like that. So it was, mm. he's always been that way, you know. And would he, if there was a part, I don't know if he was at any of the sessions, would he join in? Uh, he wasn't really ever around. I mean, no, he was I always away at those those, yeah. those parties. When he came over, he used to sing and play songs sometimes. And yeah. like, if he, when he first wrote any King Shilling, you know, he, wrote, he played that on our piano in our front room and he just, when he'd just written it because that was about our granddad. Oh, right, yeah. Um, and it's uh, about his time in the First first World War. Mm. He was in the... 
and at around that time he was stationed they was part of the, the Royal Irish Regiment and was stationed in Dublin at the wrong time mm. around the rising and all that sort of time and he was kind of he was in stationed in Dublin as part of the Royal Irish Regiment part of the oh. British Army oh really yeah yeah so it was uh, kind mm. of a yeah weird thing he was actually shot and wounded in the First World War my yeah. granddad yeah Patrick McManus yeah so I've, I've done all the research I've been finding out about yeah. this and trying to you know, find yeah, out. Because, because a lot of Irish were. You're, you're. Uh, so the name of the Costello is a, is a, is a, is a, your great grandmother. Yeah, great grandmother Elizabeth Costello. Or Costello, you know, Costello yeah. yeah. So she was. So that was where he got the name from. Yeah, yeah. he took that. Um, and I think it was his manager's idea to put the word Elvis in there just to ruffle some feathers, <laughs> and it worked. Big um, risk, actually. He, well, it, well, it was. He was still alive. in America. He was still alive at that oh, point. Oh, he was alive, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty certain our nana killed Elvis Presley <laughs> <laughs> as a marketing tool for him, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. You might have thought it, it might have got a bad reaction in America, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, like, I, don't, I don't think he did many gigs around down the sort of southern states of America yeah. in his early years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, uh, it, would have, it would have got a bad reaction, I think, at that time. But it was... There was no one else called, El- called Elvis, you know. There's only, there's only one. Yeah, no, yeah. But <laughs> so it's it funny. Was a, it was a genius uh, thing, I did. A name just, you forget about it after a while. You don't even think about it now. No, you don't. Yeah. That's true, yeah, it's true. Yeah, I mean, well, he was always decked to us anyway, but. Yeah. Right, but, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, don't think about the comparison now these days, I don't think. But, mm-hmm. but, but as you know, so sort of seeing all that happen when we were kids was quite yeah. a big. Got a big thing for us, really, you know. Right, yeah. See and and uh, you, you uh, recorded like a solo album, then is it um, Strawberry Hill? Is yeah, it? I did, yeah, did, did Strawberry Hill. Yeah, it was yeah, kind of yeah. Yeah, so an area just of Twickenham, you know. Right? There's, a, there's a college there. Right? Yeah, so I hang around quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and is that um, stuff? Is it's uh, is it, I think you say it's stuff you, you thought wouldn't fit with Bible. Yeah, it was, or, well, it was. Like, I, I kind of got into. Uh, Damon Rice and that kind of singer-songwriter thing, that mm. that kind of doing it on your own thing, kind mm. of started to hit. I think Monday we talked about this actually with you about mm. that kind of DIY album thing. So mm. Damon, Damon Rice was sort of the I really I love that album, and mm. I, I never thought of myself as a very good guitarist, but I knew enough mm. to play and back, back myself. And then. The way he was playing the parts, and I thought, oh God, I've got, I've got, so there's a few songs that come out. I'm thinking, well, I could just record these, mm. and I, I, you know, I made the most depressing album in the world. <laughs> <laughs> it was all stuff about I was me wallowing and and uh, you know pining after women. Look, if you're Irish, you're going to sing depressing oh, songs. I love a bit of depression. Love <laughs> 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 a bit of depressing song. It's in the blood. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's just I just decided just to go in and do it and uh, I had a friend of mine had a studio and just said, look, don't worry about money, just come in and do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I had all my friends and my brothers and friends just guesting on it. Yeah. And then um, I actually managed to, quite a coup, managed to get the Brodsky Three of the Brodskys were in Gotel. I couldn't oh, call you? them the Brodskys because there was one one of them missing. One it wasn't there. So they got a replacement in, so they couldn't weren't allowed to use that name. But mm. I got um, Paul from the Brodskys to, to arrange one of my songs, like a bit like the, the Juliet Letters of Dex album, the way it was a voice and string, string quartet. Right, yeah. And that was kind of when I wrote the song. That's kind of how I heard it. Yeah. Um, and I tried to record it with the band. Tried to everything I could to avoid the expense of getting a string quartet. Mm. In the end, I wasn't happy. I said I'm just going to do it, and I just said to Paul, "Would you mind?" He said, "No, no, great, do it." They came down to the studio and and just played. I mean, That's it's brilliant. like amazing. <laughs> this started playing, and the string quartet—it's just like it's just mm. amazing. 
so you get to do I get privileges like that's you know a little little bonus little perk of being of, of who my being, brother is I right. was able to go to someone like Paul Cassidy from the Brosky String Quartet and get them into the studio yeah you know if I wasn't if I was a brother wouldn't even, wouldn't even give me time but they, I know not, no dope on them but just you don't get to do that sort of stuff right, when, you're, yeah. when, you're, when you're just starting out but but and how was, did you work with them? Because you, you, can you write music, or do you, or do you just well, say? I'd written a song on the guitar, right? Yeah. Ever to Paul to arrange. Okay. So he arranged it, and then they got them down in the studio, and they did it. And it was just like, wow. Mm. But when I started thinking, I'm not good enough to be sing on this. <laughs> so, but, yeah. but in the end, I just did my thing. But it was it was um, it's amazing experience to have that. I mean, mm. I wasn't you know I wasn't I hadn't done anything or. Mm. I didn't I hadn't really earned the right to have some calibre of of, ah, come on. of them at that too, time. So, too, yeah. so I, but it was great. I mean that album I I love that I love the idea that my friend has said, Look, just come down and do it. Like mm-hmm. let's just make the album and then we'll worry about the money later. Mm-hmm. And if it makes money we'll do a cut thing, you know, deal sort of thing. So but that was great to have that freedom just to go in and be not worried about it's just costing this, it's just costing that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Studio time expensive thing to do. Yeah, yeah. So it was that was great. So Strawberry Hill then and then I, we kind of carried on the Bible because it was going on at the same time as that and we were recording writing stuff with that mm. um, and then I then it just, I just kept writing and mm-hmm. just kept trying to record stuff and kind of keep creating all the time mm. and did you write that album again with the demos or something yeah I, re- I re-released it when yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I found all the demos basically I didn't mm. I'd forgotten where they were yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah I think yeah. it was like because I I think I changed my computer or something and I shifted everything on from, from one computer to another and I found all the demos and I didn't even forgotten these even existed and mm. I thought that actually sound alright so when I went to to release it onto to digital format mm. I decided just to put just to put all the demos on there so you could buy it with the, the album and then all the mm. it's like extra, some songs didn't make it and things like that which mm. I'm still, still kind of proud of them in some way some of them are it's great to hear that personal kind of stuff. sort of stuff on there really mm. I mean, there's a lot of of issues, brother issues with that. You know, me and, my, me and my little brother Rory, we're like very, very close. But yeah, there's like a definite like Gallagher brother thing going on. A wizard, yeah, yeah. Which, there's a lot <laughs> which of, one are you? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the one that loses the argument every time on that, on that one. Probably Liam then. Liam, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, so it was yeah. Can you reach, when you're in the band with your, I was in the band, all four of us are in the band together. You know, at one time and. You're trying to write and arrange, and you're having arguments, and you realise you're arguing about a song, and you what you realise you, what you're actually arguing over is the fact that he stole the Mars bar out of your selection box in Christmas 1983. <laughs> right. That's really where the argument has originated from. There's so much baggage you just can't put yeah, to one side, and yeah, it just, yeah, it just yeah, got yeah. in the way. I mean, if we hadn't have been brothers, I don't think we'd have been in the band together. We just had different tastes and different ideas and everything. Yeah, because we were we all kind of you know. Yeah, and so it's difficult, is it? I thought maybe oh, it's great just to have your well, the you know, playing bit was fine because we yeah. kind of understood each other and yeah, on, yeah. A, on a higher level than just kind of mm. musicians knowing each other. We, we understood each other really well. We locked in, and especially myself and Rory mm. singing together as a real kind of a, a thing, a sound there when we sing together. It's a it's, you know, there's it's a certain. Mm. St- I suppose the, the Finn brothers have it too, you know, they're very similar actually in the way that they argue all the time as well. Yeah. <laughs> when yeah. they sing together, that's great, you know, there's a certain there's a certain thing where all our voices blend together and it's 
technicals mm. uh, at the McManus Siren. It's like a kind of a weird sort of thing that yeah. they kind of the way they blend. And mm. found it with him as well. We did the recent years have had the, the chance to join him on stage. Yeah, and, and Rory singing harmony to him, and they got very similar voices. And ah. Deck has never had that before. He's like, wow, that's really you know, it's cool. Yeah, cool. So um, yeah, which but it's just mm. impossible to, to mm. work. Or maybe the brother. I don't think it should ever be a thing. You're dealing with the Cronins here. There's three of them. Yeah, well, they seem to get on okay. They yeah. do actually. Just, yeah. I don't know how they manage that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they have their moments. Yeah, we don't see them. We don't yeah. see those moments. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure, <laughs> sure they happen. Though, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, and have you toured a bit? Have you supported? Um, I don't know where is it called Declan or Elvis. It's called yeah. Declan, is it? Yeah, Declan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah let's, let's yeah, say Declan. Point, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, good few times in or much. We, what we did, uh, we've. we've well, we we happened to be with the Bible because we happened to be in America at the same time as him. So right, he said, yeah. just come down and he, it was the time he was done a spinning songbook tour with the big wheel on yeah. the stage, and he was having guest appearances mm. from people anyway. Mm. So anybody who was in town, he'd have all his friends up and all the sort of. And uh, so he just said, come down and do a bit. So we just went up and did like two or three songs with him. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did that a couple of times, did that in New York and Boston, and we did it back in the Albert Hall in London as well. Mm. And then last year, Larkin Poe, great, their sisters actually, great, uh, mm. great band mm-hmm. from America. Um, and they were on his solo tour this in June, just gone. They couldn't do all the dates. So just said, but do, you want to, do you want to come cool. along and do something? It was a solo tour. Just, he was just on his own, so he said you can either come on on your own or come with somebody else. So I brought Luke yeah. from the, from the, we just we just written the Brand New Zeros album and just recorded it. So mm. we thought, well, let's just do that stuff then. Mm. Go on. So we just did a Brand New Zeros mm. thing, which is the new the new band. So that was great. I mean, get up there. We did our set as a support slot, then went back, went back on later on and sort of sang with him. Normally, Goodie for the Roses and like. Uh, Oliver's Army and so because mm. it's the harmony songs you know yeah, so right. we're back on so I got to do that a few times that's good that's been that's been great the last few years to do that mm. and get a chance because of the age gap we never never did that when we were growing up and actually, well, since your brother or since sorry your father has died that you, you've become closer with yeah I think Deccan, yeah, yeah I think it was, it was kind of a sort of thing yeah we, we we saw him a lot more around that time than we ever had done you know mm. we were going through quite a he was his dad was dying kind mm. of slowly mm. There was a, a lot more to talk about and discuss and meet up about and things like that. It just naturally brought us together. I think mm-hmm. we had been kind of getting closer in, in those years preceding anyway, just because we were I was getting older and mm-hmm. Declan had um, he got married to Diana the same year I got married to my wife and he's got boys, you know, two young boys now mm-hmm. and they're they're around the same same sort of age as my kids. We were I had for the first time we had shared life experiences mm-hmm. which we'd never had before because he was, you know, so much older and we were going through different stuff and but mm-hmm. going, going through sort of marriage and young kids mm-hmm. at the same time is, you know, you you got you got something shared there, you know. Mm-hmm. So that was good. So we got we were able to kind of you know, just get closer, but it's been it's been great. I mean, he's such a chilled out guy now. You know, it's like always felt like I think there's been people found out with his book now recently. So he's opened up for the first time, mm. really. He's never he's always, he's always kind of been close to the public. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. the yeah. stage name and the things like that was all part of that kind of a barrier between his personal life and his public life, yeah. his public persona. Mm. So the the books apparently. I mean, I've not 
read the whole thing yet, but mm-hmm. I'm not alive yet in the bit. Well, I've read, 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 read the first bit. I'm not yet, I don't exist yet. <laughs> yeah, but so you're just kind of... I'm not sure. Skimming through that. Just get, Skimming get, through. Just get, to bit to, get to bit to where I am. I'm not sure I'm not even in it, but... <laughs> but that was it when we were kids. They very separate. They was living away and stuff, so, you know. But, but, yeah. But, you know, um, you know, uh, I said in recent years we kind of we've been mm. a lot a lot closer it's been mm. kind of nice to do things as a, as a five brothers mm. together it's just kind of cool we're never really worried about the half brother thing because it's you're different mums you know but yeah. you're never ever worried about it it's all just brothers mm. Mm. which people don't don't kind of they go, they go you're a brother but you're you're not well he's got a son that's older than me really so oh, yeah right. so I've got a nephew who's two years older than me oh yeah, yeah. I make him call me Uncle Ronan yeah but, yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's kind of uh, he is older to be, to be my dad, mm-hmm. you know. Mm. So. But do you do you ever uh, discuss songwriting, or do you ever ask him about something, yeah. or yeah, we've, how would you do this, or um, I don't know what you'd ask. Him. Yeah, well, I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I've never the craft really, of songwriting, if you know what I mean. You know, we've the, had discussions about it, yeah, but yeah. not not in a direct way where I've grown mm-hmm. up, especially to ask a question. But right, right, we've right. had discussions about. Yeah. Oh, he just, he just, he's, he's always thinking about stuff all the time, and he always has yeah. theories and things. And so we we're going to discuss about discussing the structure of songs, and yeah. he's really interested in the history of music and how that all correlates with uh, with life yeah. and that, all that kind of stuff. So we have those sort of discussions, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah that's yeah. interesting to hear him, yeah. hear his take on that stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I've learned so much from 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 him, and mm-hmm. been, having been able to. Have somebody love that level you could really to tap into. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's pretty amazing. But I mean, I've, mm. I just, I, I don't know, I'll never, I'll never, I'll never stop doing music. I know that mm. I've always, I've always done, you know. Mm. And um, whether he's involved or not, you know, so I don't, I yeah. still do it. I mean, that's mm. what I do. Mm-hmm. I think he sort of feels that we have that sort of shared thing as well, and mm-hmm. that's that kind of nice, mm. you know, because he's. Obviously, done it on such a high level, mm. and um, for him to sort of give you the respect back is kind of cool, you know. That's brilliant, that's, yeah. that's great, yeah. But there's just another thing uh, you were, uh, I heard an interview where you were talking about the album Strawberry Hill, and you know, that's kind of downbeat. And you said something <laughs> about Glenn Tilbrook said something about he wrote his best songs, yeah. Um, it was, <laughs> it was, uh. Yeah, it was Chris Difford. It was Chris Difford. Chris Difford, Chris Difford, Difford. Was, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. It was Chris Difford because he was sort of saying about he wrote his best songs hungover, mm. and when he, he's recovering, that was recovering alcoholic, you know, and and, and uh, addict and drug addict, and he's said that he doesn't miss the drinking, but he misses the hangovers, which is really, <laughs> yeah. really weird. So, yeah, but he says he says he just he loved he used to write all his all his lyrics when he was hungover. And it gives you a certain mindset, and it really helped, you know. Certain kind of melancholia. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I mean, I certainly a lot of the songs I was written around that time was certainly written hungover. I'm sure my I could I totally got what he was saying. Yeah, it's it's funny. Yeah, yeah. So he 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 doesn't miss being drunk. He just misses being hungover. No one (laughs) in history's ever said that. (laughs) Brilliant, brilliant. 
So, uh, well, listen, thanks for talking to me. I suppose no maybe I should say is if this podcast is going out, if anyone has any information about you, is it your great grandmother? Yeah, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Costello. Elizabeth yeah. Costello. We don't know where she was born in Ireland. That's the thing. It's a family mystery that hasn't been solved yet. <laughs> okay. um, uh, so and what era? What time? Yeah. She was born in 1863, 1864, around that time. Yeah. 1863, 1863, around. 1863, 1863 around. 1863, around that time. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah but because yeah. it was on the cusp of where the public records were only just brought in, yeah. there's probably any chance of us finding her will be the baptismal record in this church that she was she was baptized in yeah but we don't even know what county that church could be in or even if that church exists okay it's a long shot it's a long shot and it's a massive haystack and a very small needle (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) but if anybody has any any costellos out there that want to that want to have a look in their local records yeah it gives a bell yeah (laughs) all right thanks a million Ron. no problem at all thanks thank you Well, there you go. That's Rona McManus there. I uh, went to see the band later on and absolutely fantastic stuff. Well, check them out on iTunes. They three albums with the uh, Bible Code. And the uh, he's got a solo album called Strawberry Hill. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, thanks a lot for listening. If you're listening to this on uh, Friday, the 13th, I will be in the Roaching Dove. Well, you probably aren't, but if you are, just if you are, this is uh, not much notice for this, but I'll be in the Roaching Dove on Friday, the 13th of November. Oh, and at the end of the month, I'll be in Malone's Bars in the, on the 26th, 27th, 28th. In that order, I'll be in Aberdeen, Edinburgh, Glasgow, in Malone's Bar, Father Ted Knights, with Michael Redmond, who's Father Stone. So if you're in Scotland, make your way there. Uh, yeah, so yeah, thanks to everyone who's involved. Thanks to Castaway Media. There's a couple of other podcasts on the, um, well, there's more than a couple, but I'd recommend to go on the Castaway Media website and have a look at all the other podcasts that are on there, including 738am and not now Cato. Yeah, so uh, thanks to Andrew Mangan for producing. And my son, Daniel Rooney, did that bit of music that you're just about to hear. You're going to hear in a couple of minutes. And he's got a band called Rogue Generator and they're on SoundCloud. You can check them out on SoundCloud. You know, I'm, I'm, he's my son, but I'm not biased. They are good. They're a good band. They are a good band. Um, that's it. Uh, next week I have Thomas Walsh. Uh, his band, uh, um, he's, he's one half of the Duckworth Lewis Method with Neil Hannon two brilliant albums they released and uh, his own band Pugwash and they've worked with Ray Davis of the Kinks recently and have a new album coming out so yeah thanks a lot for listening as I said I just want a bit of reaction from you that's all I'm looking for kind of you know get involved if you're on iTunes big fucking five star rating come on for fuck's sake and uh, and a nice review that'd be it it would help the podcast and uh, that's it great thanks a lot okay see ya good luck bye 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 This was a Castaway Media production. Find more great podcasts on our network. Visit castaway.media. I'm seeing something. It's smiling at me. But not a friendly smile. The worst smile I've ever seen in my life. Do you see it right now? Smile. Rated R. Only in theaters September 30th.